What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, B. Reed. What's up, man? How was the holiday? Uh, it was good until I caught this sinus infection, so I'm fighting through that. But other than that, I can't complain. How about yours? Pretty uneventful. Didn't didn't really do much. I mean, it's been cold as hell around here. Uh, you know, yeah, so trying to stay, snow stay today, indoors. But it doesn't look like it's cold enough, so it's turned into the rain. Um. So, have you? Is it a science infection, or are you recovering from Oklahoma getting their teeth kicked in, or kind of, you know? No, it's definitely a sinus infection, but you know, where's Arkansas? Hey, you know what? But you did. You were right. They were not fourteen points better, <laughs> only eleven. So you called that. Well, Good I mean, that's kind of hit or miss because if they wanted to score. Even a field goal, they could have they could have hit the spread, which probably <laughs> pissed a lot of people off because they were like on the five yard line when he started kneeling. So, right. But I mean, overall, I mean that's that's one thing that I hate. I said going into this bowl season, it was big for the Big Twelve because if they would have lost to, you know, Bama kind of dominated them, but everyone I think everyone could see that they just kind of shocked them in the beginning. Or you could play with them, but you can't get Bama a twenty eight point lead. That's you're just not going to come back on them. Right. And then Texas dominated Georgia. So, I mean, I think it showed that the Big 12 is a legit conference. O- OSU beat um, Missouri. So, I mean, I- I'm just happy about the fact that, you know, most people always say, well, who- who's OU play? Who's OU play? Blah, blah, blah. Well, those teams can compete with, you know, SEC teams. So, they play. They just got beat by the best team in the country. What can you say? Yeah, they, I mean, they were getting beat like a drum for a little bit there. But, um, yeah, it was almost like they weren't ready for the moment at first. And then, you know, I mean, because it got out of hand fast. And and once it was, you know, 14 nothing, you're like, okay, you know, this can still be a game. But then, you know, you, basically you blinked and it was 28 nothing, And basically, I, I, at least everyone at that point knew that there was probably no chance of this, you know, um, of Oklahoma making a comeback, I I was actually shocked that they made it a game. Yeah, and it's funny because I mean I I, I wasn't concerned. You know, Bama came out and they scored quick. That's regular with OU. I mean, we regularly what, on the yeah. first series give up sixty yard touchdowns. I wasn't concerned about that, but the offense just looked like it was sleep. And that's one thing that you always have to be afraid of with a first year quarterback, no matter how good they are. That moment is just overwhelming for for them. You know. Kyler looked like he was kind of nonchalant coming out there, like, you know, he was just going to do this. And you just – Alabama came and played like they were the underdog. I know why they played like that because the last time we played them, we kicked their ass. Bob Stoops was talking shit to them. So it was a lot going on there. And Alabama came out there to prove that. They came out to prove that Kyler Murray wasn't better than Tua. And they just came out and they played like the underdog. So you can't let a team like Alabama outplay you when they're probably already more talented than you. And that's what OU found out. Yeah, so um, Alabama obviously is representing half of the National College Football Championship game. Um, the other half is going to be Clemson. Um, and you and I have kind of been talking that, or I, you know, Clemson's no good or this, that. Their conference certainly is no good. Um, but they, do- they, they straight up dominated, dominated Notre Dame. And I'm curious to see... I don't really know what to make of Clemson right now. Like, you know, obviously Alabama, they know how to play Alabama. They obviously have, have you know, NFL-level talent on their team. Um, I, I'm just – I'm curious to see uh, – this this game actually has me interested because I didn't expect Clemson to be here. Um, I didn't expect Notre, them to lose Notre Dame, but, I, I, you know, I just don't know how good Clemson is, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I'm, you know, one reason why I'm not too upset about OU losing is because at the beginning of the year when I saw two in Alabama, I said, man, ain't nobody beating this team. And then, you know, you get lost in the shuffle. Your team make it. You start thinking you got a chance. But at the end of the day, nobody's beating Bama. Uh, Clemson surprised me. They're starting to roll. Trevor Lawrence is finding his footing. But they played Notre Dame. And I'm not sure Notre Dame could beat Texas, Georgia, any of the top six teams. They probably couldn't beat Ohio State. Um, you got to put them in because they went undefeated. They bring the money in. I think even the, even there, the crowd was like 70-30 Notre Dame. 
That's why they get in. But at the end of the day, they just don't seem like they had the talent. I mean, it went from being like 6-3 to three in the second quarter, and I went and took a nap and came back, and it was 27-3. to three. So it got out of hand fast. But that Notre Dame team, I don't believe that it was one of the best teams in the country, but you couldn't keep them out because they're Notre Dame. I mean, even look at the conference games. that Because, you know, they're not in a conference, but they usually play a couple of Pac-10 games. They play a couple of ACC games, a couple of Big Ten games. Well, look at those conferences. They're playing the lower-tier lower teams in those conferences, and the big teams that they play are kind of down. Like, they play USC, who's down. Um, the only good team they beat was uh, Michigan, and we see that Michigan wasn't what we thought they were. So, I mean, I don't know, man. There's no perfect system to solve it. They got in. They deserve to get in. They went 12-0, but I don't think anyone expected them to do anything if they were to face any teams in there. Do you think college football has a bigger issue? Um, so, I have not. This is probably the least amount of college football that I've watched um, in a while. I mean, a lot of that was because Arkansas is bad. Um, you know, and then you talk about the NFL. The Raiders are bad for me. So, you know, football wasn't high on my priority <laughs> list this year. Um, but I think you're so in the minority, a, though. Well, as a casual fan, I wonder. I, okay, I'm more than a casual fan, but I started to think about how people who don't watch the NBA, which I love and I find baffling that they don't watch it, um, I started to think, I was like, well, what's the point of me watch, watching college football when I know Alabama's going to just smoke everybody, and I could probably tell you that Clemson is going to get in every, I mean, it's, this is the third or fourth matchup we've, the, the fourth matchup we've seen of this, and then, you know, it kind of started to ring in my head that people have been saying this about the NBA for a while, which inevitably, you know, this year we'll get a different championship matchup, but I am tired of seeing Alabama Clemson. I just am. And, and, you know, so what's the point of me watching college football for four months, especially when my team is, is, you know, the equivalent of, of dog shit being left on my front porch. Well, I mean, it's nothing that, anyone can really do to solve that. I mean, once you get a dynasty team like this and you get ACC has always kind of been soft. You always get one team to dominate. It's just Clemson instead of like a Florida state now. But I mean, there's really no solution for it. I I still think that dynasties bring people to the table. So I don't think Alabama and Clemson being good is a bad thing. It's probably because last year when it was Georgia Alabama they had in Oklahoma and Georgia I think that was one of the more highly watched series um, for the whole college football playoffs so this year you get Clemson again but theoretically the same two to three teams have been making it every year I mean you might sub out Oklahoma put Ohio State in but it's pretty much the same teams every year right Um, and I think that's kind of my like I, I didn't watch any bowl games because they don't matter like, that, you know that's I mean? the bigger problem because college football is kind of down as a whole. So typically what you get is you get kind of the same teams in the college football playoffs. But I feel like there is usually better matchups in these bowl games. The bowl game matchups this year have been terrible, like all the way down. I mean, Central Florida LSU was a good game. Um, I watched that game. Um, and I, I think that Central Florida kind of had the same issue that um, Oklahoma ran into is they – seemed like that they were overwhelmed by the moment and by the time they got you know they they woke up it was too late um and then you know we talked about texas and um georgia which i didn't think was going to be much of a game um but you know i think texas is for real um i i keep going back and forth on whether or not georgia was super interested in playing in this game um at the end of the day they got their they they got their asses beat you only really uh, so hear that when an SEC team lose. You know that, right? I, n- I, I mean, never really it's, hear it's that. A fair argument. Whenever, though. whenever a, whenever any other team loses in a bowl game that's not the championship, you hear, you don't hear that. But whenever an SEC team loses in a bowl game, it's always, well, you know, they they used to play for championships. Georgia is not used for playing in championships. They're used to. I playing. didn't say it like that. I ain't talking about like Georgia's just. Oh, we didn't. I just meant like. I don't think maybe I should have said that different. I don't. I think Georgia underestimated Texas and thought that they could probably sleepwalk through this game, um, and that just simply wasn't the case. Yeah, I doubt. I doubt that they did that. Texas is a good team. 
Uh, I think people look at the Big 12, but Texas is probably the closest team built like an SEC team that, I mean, if you're talking about, I would say they're more than even Ohio State because Texas is always big, big on the offensive line, big on the defensive line. And that was OU's problem when they played Alabama is that defensive line just dominated our offensive line. I mean, I don't know who that dude was, 92 in the middle, but they were double teaming that dude. It's one of the biggest human beings <laughs> I've ever seen. I don't even know his name. He's just massive. Man, that dude is huge. And he was just pushing double teams back in the backfield. That dude is a first-round lottery pick, top five pick guaranteed if he comes out. I don't even know what year he is. But that's what you get. When you, get a, when you play against a team like Texas – you're not going to do that to them because all those boys are big. They're big on the offensive line. They're big on the defensive line. And th- Shit, their slot receiver is 6'4". <laughs> yeah, all their receivers are like 6'4". And they <laughs> yeah, all run like 4'3". So they're huge. So that's what that's why Texas gave OU so, pro- so much problems is because they're so big. They're like men playing against boys in college. So I, I expected Texas to beat Georgia. I knew that they were going to be a tough matchup for Georgia because even with that, I think that Texas could match them defensively. But offensively, I didn't know if Georgia had an answer for those big receivers. Yeah, and Georgia ran into a lot of – I mean, their running back, Swift, DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Uh, man, he couldn't hold on to the ball. I. Um, it was the first time that I really closely watched Georgia. Uh, Evander Holyfield's kid is good. He ain't that good, though. Like, he's not NFL good. You don't think so? Uh, I don't think so. He's – he. I mean, it's just something – I don't I, – he's – I can't put my finger on it, but I don't think that he's a great running back. I don't think he's better than Chubb or um, – That's saying a lot, what's the other? You know they got like three really good running backs. He can't compare yeah. them to those past running backs. But, I mean, I just mean I don't think he's as good as the four running backs that we've seen from Georgia over the last three years, four years. Yeah, I'm saying that you're right about that, but that's an unfair comparison. <laughs> you know, comparing them oh. to Chubb, Michelle uh, – Ty Gurley, I mean, that's that's an unfair comparison to put him to. But he's still young, right? He's only like a sophomore. I think, I think it's, he's a sophomore. So we'll Might get be to a redshirt sophomore or something. We'll get to see more of him uh, next year. And I'm sure he's got – he ran in Holyfield. has like 25 kids, so if he ain't good, I'm sure the next <laughs> one will be. But, I mean, I've so. seen him have some game. That's why I can't really say that he's not that good because I've seen him go, go through the hole against LSU and run over a couple of dudes. He's a – Really tough, hard runner, but he's that old school between the tackles, grinded out type runner. He's not going to give you much going to the outside. That's why him and Swift work so well together. I think in the past what you've seen is even with a chub, he was an inside runner, but you could give it to him on a pinch, pitch and he could break it too. So now right. with these two running backs, you kind of know what they're going to do when they're in there. When Swift's in there, more than likely they're going to do some kind of stretch or kind of, some kind of pitch. And when Holyfield's in there, they're going straight up the middle pounding. So they get they get a little predictable now. Um. So, yeah, I I, I, uh, can't, I, I do have something to say. All right. All right. For, for the Texas guy who is calling every Texas game, I, I don't know who he is. <laughs> But damn it, we know why they call him Little Jordan. Quit pointing out that <laughs> ghetto ass name, making us all look bad. Okay, shit. Yeah, they we know. They love telling that story like, over and man, over again. Man, every game, every game. Yeah, little ghetto motherfucker got this name because his mama was ghetto as hell and decided <laughs> to be. It's like, all right, we get it. Okay. Yeah. Just call the man LJ. He's a good receiver. We don't get got to get hung up on his name. Why not damn. just name him Jordan and then just call him Little Jordan like everyone else? And we, then, we, to go along with that, he's not little. He's like 6'4", <laughs> 220. So, you know, we it's 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 a cultural thing. I, I don't know why we do what we do sometimes, but uh Hey, but I'm not going to I'm not going to say just for us because I've seen a lot of the other cultures that have weird names too. They just do it in a different way. So I don't know if I don't know if the name thing can be put on one culture or one race because there's weird names everywhere. Like your kid named Blanket, you know, things of that yeah, nature. But, but Michael Jackson is, I mean, we he's cultural. <laughs> so but, hey, he uh, crossed the board on every culture. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, he looked like a. Very pale skeleton. white woman in the latter half. I don't even know. If he, no, he doesn't even look like a white dude. He looks like a skeleton. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, he and Casper were best friends, but he still, you know, was one of us. So, 
Anyway, so I, I don't know. Do we? But you see, blanket, Paris, and all them. I've seen those kids, and I don't care what kind of skin condition you have. That don't you just can't erase half the you know a, a whole entire gene. So well, then again, you don't have his type of money, so you don't know what he can do. I don't know how we got here, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're about to go down a rabbit hole. Uh, all right, man, let's get to the NFL. Uh, actually, my bad. Let's re- let's reverse a little bit. I want to say one more thing about my- – no, I'm kidding. But uh, who you got, who you got in the game coming up Monday uh, between Alabama and, and Clemson? Yeah, I got Bam. I don't think it's going to be close. I think they're going to win by – I mean, it depends on how Nick Saban wants to play it. But I just think that defensive line, they're going to give Trevor Lawrence fits. Um, ACC, just like the Big 12, they're not really built for those big, powerful, strong linemen. And one of the things that it shouldn't give Lawrence trouble because he's a lot taller than Kyler Murray. But on top of those dudes being big and powerful, they look like they're like 6'3", 6'4". Like the defensive end looked like he was 6'4". So I think they're going to have a big problem trying to stop Alabama's um, pass rush. I think Alabama wins that game by 11, 14, something like that. I don't think it's going to be close, though. You know who yeah, I really liked on Bama that I, that I didn't know was that good? That running back, uh, Josh Jackson. I did not know that kid was that good. And he is a soft – he's a junior. Yeah, he's a junior. He can declare. Yeah. I don't know if he will. But, I mean, he's he's got everything. I mean, he has raw power. He has speed. He has the uh, agility, the juke moves. And the dude's from Tulsa. So it kind of upset me when I heard that he didn't even get recruited by OU. But he said he didn't want to go, so it didn't matter. But, yeah, that dude right there looks like the total package. Well, you know, Alabama keeps them some running backs on deck. So, um, all right, man, you want to start with the drama of the NFL? You want to start with the playoff matchups? You want to start with the coaching carousel? Um, I always want to start wanna with the drama. With the drama. All right. I'm glad you said that. That's the stuff that so, brings clicks, man. It is. All right, so we've got a young man, well, an old man now, by the name of Antonio Brown, who, Antonio Brown's kind of a prick. <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a great player, but um, he's requested a trade from Pittsburgh, although Mike Tomlin denies that. Um, basically, he threw a hissy fit. And it's not going to happen. That, I, would, I mean, if I were them, I would trade him. Um, but no, they're probably not. Um he threw a hissy fit and he missed the week 17 game, which was a really a make or break game for them getting into the playoffs, which they lost. He didn't play. They didn't get in. Um, and if you're Pittsburgh, you look at that and I would say, well, why would I want him back? Um, so what do you make of that? See, man, my issue is we all know that Antonio Brown's a prick. He's been a prick. Um, I believe even before they signed him to that new contract, he was the one that was leaking stuff like insta live and stuff from the locker room. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Instead of taking a cue then and letting that dude go, they re-signed him to that contract. Now, even if they wanted to let him go at this point, they can't because it's like $22 million in dead money. So even if they traded him, they only get like a million dollars in cap relief. So it'll be like having a $22 million receiver on the field without having a $22 million receiver on the field. So they're stuck in a position where they can't trade him. They've let this dude get out of control over the last three seasons and just let him and Ben. You can tell the relationship has been decaying between all of them, especially throughout this season, but it's been going on for a while. So if you let it reach this point, now they're in a position where they can't do anything. He has all the leverage. He knows that. Before, he wasn't walking out of practices and refusing to play games, but he knows they're not going to trade him. I mean, what can they do? They literally have no leg to stand on unless you just want to take I mean they've already missed the playoffs this year so you'll be taking a real step back if you let them go for nothing basically so when do we start looking at who the issue is because I'm not I don't think this is fully on Mike Tomlin but at some point you got to be like look man like you got we have three great players <clears throat> all who hate each other and now Antonio Brown I mean, I, yeah that that's part of that's on Mike Tomlin for not shutting that shit down, but part of that is on Pittsburgh for not nipping that in the bud sooner. And Ben Roethlisberger is not a, a great leader. Um, Le'Veon Bell, that whole situation in itself is just a a, a real you know clown car. Um, 
what do they do? I mean, they, they draft well. They're a good team. They, they're always, you know, going to be around. They're always contenders. But, you know, th- it seems like this has really come to a head. Um, and I'm not saying that by any means Mike Tomlin should lose his job. But at some point, someone's got to be like, yo, you're the head coach. Man, I, I find it hard to put it on Tomlin because at the end of the day, Tomlin isn't the GM. Tomlin's not making those moves to get these players in and get them out. I'm pretty sure Tomlin just kind of rolls with the punches. And If Antonio shows, he shows. If he don't, he don't. If Le'Veon shows, he shows. And that dude just goes out there and coach. So I can't really blame Tomlin, but I have to blame management because a lot of these problems come from management. Even early on before you start hearing this really hit the light, players were complaining about how Ben Roethlisberger got all the attention and everybody else was just kind of side pieces and they weren't appreciated like Roethlisberger. Whenever you have that going on in the locker room, then the relationships are going to gradually tear apart. You know what I mean? I mean, I understand he's the quarterback, but you have to have some balance and some appreciation for the other players around you. I've even heard silly stuff like, well, if A.B. didn't have Ben Roethlisberger, he wouldn't have been great. Now, when you got the the fans saying that, and then you got people in the organization kind of pushing that and saying that, that's a whole different level of disrespect for these players. Because just as much as Ben Roethlisberger may have helped A.B., A.B. certainly helped Ben Roethlisberger. But if you don't have that balance in the management and in the locker room, then you're going to see these things happen. You see a lack of appreciation for Le'Veon Bell. You see a lack of appreciation for Antonio Brown, like you're just a call. Everybody's not the Patriots. And if you're going to be the Patriots, you can't commit long-term money to these people either. That's one thing the Patriots are good about. Yeah, and a lot of reports have come out that, you know, Antonio Brown's jealous because, you know, Juju led the team in receiving and receiving yards and really uh, kind of emerged as, as a true number one that, um, you know, the other great teams have not or other great receivers hadn't had to deal with, you know. But I think that but, A.B. led the team in targets, though. Yeah, but a lot of those targets, and that's why A.B. was pissed off in the beginning of the year because some of those those quote-unquote targets, I mean, those things were eight yards over his head. I mean, he was visibly frustrated on the field this year because um, I think, you know, I think the first half of the season, Ben Roethlisberger was just sailing balls over his head left and right, and a lot of, a lot of the balls that he was throwing were uncatchable. But, I mean, um, he, now they still also count because targets. he's forcing it to him because if you don't throw it to him, he's going to get bad. So it's kind of a catch-22. Mm, maybe um now i do think i think juju is a great player I, I i i think that he is really good i'm still i don't know that he's a true number one receiver i think that having antonio brown helps him a lot and the same could be said for like you know i'm sure when when antonio brown was emerging they said that about him oh well he had mike wallace to help him or whomever it was um michael thomas had brandon cooks to help him or whoever it was uh, you know um, I, I just, I, I think Juju is great. I def I certainly think that having, um, you know, a back like a Le'Veon Bell or even a James Conner to a lesser degree, um, and having Antonio Brown has helped him because you can't really double team him. Yeah. I mean, Juju's, he's, he's definitely an excellent talent. He has great hands, but I kind of, I'm kind of with you on that one. I've seen Juju be locked down in man coverage when he shouldn't have been. I mean, Juju had a huge fumble, which can happen to anyone. But I've just seen some things from Juju that doesn't make, doesn't make me believe that he's a true number one yet. But at the end of the day, Juju's still young. This is only his, what, he's going into his third Second year. Second year. So, yeah. I mean, that's a young player. He's still developing. Um, he does have the safety net of Antonio Brown. So, he'll have to learn to live without that. But it won't be next season because Antonio Brown will be a stealer on week one. Uh, yeah, I, I probably agree with you on that. Um, all right, and then so we get to the um, the New York Giants, who um, <laughs> they're still thinking about bringing Eli back for another season. Um, at, at what point do you, as an organization, like, look, all right, man, you want us two Super Bowls. We don't want to see you play anywhere else. But damn it, Joe Montana played somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Uh John Elway, or not John Elway, uh, uh, Peyton Manning played somewhere else. All these these great quarterbacks have played somewhere else. You got to go. You want to know the difference? And all those quarterbacks you named, the organization drafted an apprentice to take over. Now, even with Peyton Manning, when he got hurt, they ended up falling to Andrew Luck. But, I mean, the last two or three seasons, the Giants had a chance to take a quarterback. 
Um, they could have even t- taken – no, they couldn't take Baker. They could have taken taken one of those quarterbacks, though. Sam Darnold, yeah. any of them, really. All of them look good. Now, they. I don't think Haskins has declared yet, but they're going to be in prime position to take Haskins. And I think that they should take them. And when you take these young quarterbacks, it's the same thing I said with Baker Mayfield at the beginning of the season. There's no point of taking young quarterbacks these days and sitting them on the bench. Those days are over because before, you know, you played a total different style of football in the NFL. Now, the NFL is pretty much spread like college. These quarterbacks should be able to get in there and play day one. If they can't get in there and show you something on day one, then they're probably going to be a bust. From what I've seen, there hadn't been a lot. Even golf, you know, we think that he's turned the corner, but I don't know that. I just think he's in a great system. So, a quarterback should be able to get in there day one. If they can get in there day one, and that means that Eli, if he wants to be a backup for New York because he's comfortable, he can do that. If he wants to go somewhere else to try to get a payday, he can do that. Now, God help me, whoever's going to sign that dude. But, I mean, it's time to move on. There's no point of having weapons like a Barkley and an Odell Beckham Jr. and just wasting years away with Eli. He's shown you that he cannot get it done. The Giants have a good team. I mean, they have talent all over their defense, all over their offense. Yeah. Uh, weapons and everywhere. They, their offense has a ton of weapons, and they just can't move the ball. So, you know, at some point, you know, because you can point fingers at the coaches all you want to, but at some point they need to really say, look, man, this ain't it. We're wasting a, a really good receiver's prime. We're going to waste a really good running back prime um if we don't change this so let's get the and we're really going to waste a good defense's prime so we need to really get this this under control and move 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 along i mean brett Favre played for 18 different teams eli manning can certainly get the fuck out of there but brett brett Favre was still winning like at the end of that dallas cowboys game that illustrated the biggest problem with eli manning so eli they went down and scored and they went dallas went down and scored went for the two-point conversion got a one they kicked the ball to the Giants. The kick returner, I think it was Lattimore, returned it to like the 50-yard line, meaning that all Eli Manning had to do in like a minute was move the ball about 20 yards, yards even give yeah. him a chance. He went. He didn't get in four plays. They didn't get a yard. Just terrible decision-making. Like three of those plays, he went deep, like just overthrew them. Why? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You got Saquon right. Barkley, you got Evan Ingram, you got Odell, you got Sterling, you got weapons everywhere. And the best thing you could come up with are throwing is throwing in the coverage? It just makes no sense. It's time for the go. So let's talk a little bit about the um, the coaching carousel that's going on. Um, first of all, let's make a pit stop. The Raiders have hired Mike Mayock to become their general manager. And I think that – so for whatever reason, NFL people – they hate the Raiders. They just do. They love when the Raiders are bad. They, I mean, it, it's, it's like they just do. You know why. <laughs> I mean, it's because Al Davis was such an asshole for so many years. Right. And so they still hate the Raiders. And if any other team had hired Mike Mayock, that everyone would be like, man, that's a great hire, especially for a team that, that has struggled to draft talent over the years. They'd be like, that's, that is a, uh, that's a great, great hire. Because the Raiders did it. Oh, they got another guy who's going to kiss Gruden's ass, and Gruden's the real GM, this, that, and the other. And I think that, all right, you're not a Raiders fan, but objectively, what do you think of that that hire? I thought it was crazy that people were saying it was a bad hire. I love Mike Mayock. And let's say that let's say that John Gruden is the real GM, right? Well, one thing you know that Mike Mayock can do is evaluate talent. So, right. I mean, even if he's not making a valuable decision, I mean, even if he's not making a final decision, wouldn't you want someone in there that's working with, like, when Chip Kelly took over for the Eagles, he was making a, um, he was making the final decision as a GM, but he hired a GM to do, like, a lot of the scouting and evaluate talent. So, wouldn't you want your GM to be able to effectively evaluate talent to give you all the information that you need? One thing I know Mike Mayer can do is evaluate talent. I know that he looks at talent. He... He, he can tell you the, the the best qualities about the seventh round pick. And that's what and you... He's, oh, go ahead. He's usually pretty accurate. Yeah. And, you know, of course he's had his misses. I mean, you know, you've got Bomani Jones on Twitter who's like, oh, he would have taken Blaine Gabbard over Cam Newton. And it's like, okay, everybody misses. He didn't say Cam was a bad prospect, but, you know, everybody misses. 
But I mean, and, I don't think but, he was completely wrong on that either. I mean, I don't think. I mean, Cam Newton has better physical attributes, but if you're just going about quarterback and passing, Cam Newton hasn't shown himself to be great either. You know, I just I think it's silly how that they yeah, you know, like I said, if any other team would have done the same, like that's a great hire. And it like I said, they, oh they're like, oh well, when's when's Mel Kiper getting a job? And Todd <laughs> McShay, I'm like, yeah, those dudes are fucking clowns compared to Mike Mayock. Yeah. Mike Mayock is legitimately, I mean, you can you, it, <coughs> excuse me, I watched the draft coverage. And I don't even watch ESPN's draft coverage. I watch NFL Network's draft coverage because of Mike Mayock. Yeah, I do also. Like you said, this dude's got binders for dudes in the sixth, seventh round that he's highlighting and he's telling you about him. Like, this kid is great, this, this, and this. I mean, and you look at what the Raiders are doing now. So you have <clears throat> John Gruden came in and he realized that this was not a talented team. So he got the most that he could for Khalil Mack. He got a first-round pick for Amari Cooper, which I still think was a good trade. And now he's got six picks in the first 99 rounds, or excuse me, in the first 99, six of the first 99 picks this year, and then two more first-round picks next year. Why wouldn't you bring in someone like Mike Mayock, who, like you said, is great? And he's he's revered as a, as a top scout um, or talent analysis or analyst around. So Yeah, and if you put um, a plan together like the Raiders just put together and you really can't afford to miss on a lot of these draft picks. I mean you're right. you're gonna miss. But this draft right here, a lot of people are saying, you know, this isn't a great draft, but this is a great foundation draft. Like you can build a defense and offensive line. You can put together some pieces, some solid pieces for the future during this draft. Especially on on defense. So trading Khalil Mack you can literally replace him with some great defensive players this year with those draft picks. And you really need a good talent evaluator. I think it was a great pickup. And plus, they probably had a relationship because all those draft guys that do the draft special, whether it's NFL, NBA, uh, ESPN, or CBS, whatever, they're all running, rolling the same circle. So they probably got a good relationship. Right. Well, and lastly, so, you know, I, as I've said before, I'm in on Gruden. Um, and the things that he's done differently than it seems like other coaches, what was the first thing that he did after the Mayock hire? The first thing that was announced, hey, um, John Gruden's going to coach the Senior Bowl. So first thing right after the Mayock hire is he and Mayock are going down there to evaluate the Senior Bowl and coach the Senior Bowl to get to know what players are coming to them. I mean, that that's a great, great move for a team that needs to rebuild and has – um, so many draft picks over the next couple of years. I mean, I, I think that, again, had anyone else done that for any other organization, teams would be like, that's so smart. This is what smart organizations do. But because it's Oakland, they're like, yeah, John Gruden's an idiot. And he just, you know, and he just hired another puppet. So, But then again, um, I mean, when organizations are bad, it's going to take a long time for you to prove that these decisions that you're making aren't going to be bad decisions. Because over the years, all the decisions they've made have proven to be bad. Yeah, but he's laying a foundation. So I, I'm, I, as I said, I'm in on Gruden. So did Hugh I, Jackson. Well, <laughs> who, which which gets us kind of to our next point. How is this dude getting interviewed for jobs? I'm all about black coaches getting hired, and we've seen uh, you know almost every minority coach in the NFL get fired, and the only black GM that we had in the NFL has gotten fired, who was with the Raiders, deservedly so. But. uh <laughs> Um, you know, so, but I don't need to see Jim, uh, or Hugh Jackson, Jim Caldwell. I don't need to see that anymore. There's got to be some young dudes that are working their way through, that are fucking paying their dues, that you know, that should be getting a shot at a head a head coaching job or a coordinator job or whatever the case may be. You're telling me there's none. Well, you know that the NFL is a good old boys club. Once you're in, you're in, and they don't really like to let a lot of outsiders in unless you're like a hot college coach or, uh, yeah, probably. Cliff Kingsbury is getting interviews right now. Yeah, I mean, so unless you're with an innovative offense or something like that, they don't really like to let new people in. I can't remember who it was, the coach, a couple of years ago. Um, probably about four or five years ago, he refused to take the interview because he said that these interviews are just for the Rooney Rule. You just want to interview me for the Rooney Rule, and you already know who you're going to bring in. But I, right. you know I'm not going to get the job. So Cincinnati, well, I'm not going to say Cincinnati does this because Cincinnati, that owner has been pretty progressive. So, 
But and he might actually hire Hugh. Jackson. Yeah, he might because he's he's a terrible decision maker too. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, bringing in Hugh Jackson automatically satisfies the Rooney Rule. So after you bring in one of these coaches, bring in a Jim Caldwell. But with I'm with you, man. It's time to put some fresh blood. You see what Sean McVay did um, for the Rams. The problem is you can also miss and get what a Vance. What's his name? Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph. Yeah. yeah so. I mean, and that wasn't all his fault. I mean, dude, the problem in Denver is not the coaching. If that was, that's John Elway. You talk about another team that doesn't have. I don't know, man. I mean, they don't have a ton of talent on that offense, and they they haven't had a quarterback in forever. They went out and paid uh, Case Keenum twenty million, and Case Keenum got the Vikings to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, but that had more to do with the Vikings than it did with Case Keenum. But I'm saying, what are your choices? What were, what was his choices when he went in there? I mean, at one point he drafted. Um, Park Paxson Lynch or whatever. Terrible. Not a good pick. But I mean, in the that first was round. that was the best option on the board, I believe. No, sir. Who? Uh, all right, let's look at that. Yeah. We'll find out. But then this this offseason, your choice was to give Kirk Cousins ninety million dollars guarantee or take Case Keenum for twenty. What are you doing? Probably give me Case Keenum. I take a shot with Case Keenum before I give Kirk Cousins ninety million dollars guaranteed and be stuck with him for three years. The Vikings regretted that. So I, I just don't think he had a lot of options. He brought in Peyton Manning when he could. So I think he's been doing what he the best he could, but he hadn't gotten into a position to draft a quarterback. Now, you could say he could have drafted one this this draft, but uh, old boy just kind of fell in his lap. And I always think you take the most talented player on the board as opposed to reaching for something you need. Yeah, but when you, when you need a quarterback, I mean – you, you kind of got to do it. We we if anyone knows that that's the most important position on the field, uh, it's John Elway. So when, I just what was that? Uh, what was that defensive lineman that they took that fell to him? Uh, Bradley Chubb. Yeah, I mean you can't pass up on a talent like Bradley Chubb to take a quarterback that may or may not be good. They could have taken Christian Hackenberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jacoby Brissett. Now I, now that's what they should do. They should have went ahead and traded for Jacoby because Jacoby is sitting on the Colts roster and the Colts know what they have and teams are refusing to pay for it. But I think that dude is worth a high second round pick. That dude has a rocket and he played very well for the Colts on a bad, bad Colts team with no talent. So, I mean, all right, I see your point. This wasn't a deep quarterback No, it was draft, terrible. So. All right, maybe. <laughs> I, but still, fuck John Elway, though. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I forgot he's in your conference, so yeah. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I hope they never draft a quarterback. Sorry, <laughs> bastards. That defense cost me a championship, too. Yeah. Sorry, bastards. I hate everything about Denver right now. Patrick McGrogan, if you're listening, I hate you. Jake Storer, I hate you, too. You a lot of venom in your heart, man. It's, it's the New Year's 2019. Are, you can't start out are, with all this uh, hatred. Bronco fans, okay? I hate them by association right now. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> sorry, I got a little carried away there. Yeah, you did. Anyway. So, <laughs> do we think that Josh McDaniels is going to get a job this year or that he'll actually take a job and stick with it? Or, you know, what's his plan? I thought last year the thing was that he, he turned down the job because he's supposed to be taking over for Bill Belichick because Belichick said that he wasn't going to be there too much longer. So, I thought he was a coach and waiting. So, if he actually does go and take another job, it's going to be a slap in the face. But... He's a he's he's gonna be the one that gets the short end of the stick because now that Andrew Luck is healthy, looks like a pretty good gig, right? But now he's in, interviewing for the Packers roles, so it's so like with a quarterback okay, dude. that's aging, and you're gonna have him for another one or two years with a cap strapped offense. So, but my point is, so he took the he he accepted the job with the with the Colts, and then decided, and he even put his staff together and was like, yeah, you know what, I'm out. But to his defense. If it's true that he was the coach and waiting in New England, that was at the time when they still had Jimmy Garoppolo, so he knew that he had a guy that he could transition to. Now, if you're him, you're like, well, shit, I can't get Andrew Luck. I don't, I mean, Tom Brady's fucking cooked goose. And, you know, or his time is up, coming up. I think that he and Bill Belichick probably go out together. Um, and then, but now it's like, all right, do I take four or five more years of Aaron Rodgers? And... What do you do now? What do you do? Because one thing that has not been stated by mainstream media, because they love them, the Patriots. And actually, they hate the Patriots. But still, 
the Patriots have not drafted well. They they basically have not. They've missed consistently on all their drafts um, for the last three or four years. And the only again, the only reason that the Patriots are so successful, in my opinion, is because they play in the worst division in football. God damn it, New York, Buffalo, Miami. Can y'all get y'all shit together once, ever? Damn. You're really angry in 2019. I'm going to need you to woo-saw and calm it down. You're right. We're two days into this, and they <laughs> already got me upset. You look, you're acting pretty stressed out. But, I mean, <laughs> the Patriots have been terrible. I mean, I, I would say except for on the defensive line, they've been pretty good. They've been pretty good at drafting with some linebackers and defensive linemen, but everything else, they hadn't been great. But if you're Josh McDaniels, that's kind of your thing, right? You are the one that comes and work with quarterbacks and build quarterbacks up. So that shouldn't be that shouldn't be something that he should really stress over, in my opinion, because his offense should be something that you can teach a quarterback and build him up. I'm pretty sure that they're going to have to draft a quarterback this year. I would think he would have some input in that. But going to take that Green Bay job, that's a terrible gig right now, man. You got to. You got a four, how old is Aaron Rodgers? Like 38, 37, something like that? No, he's 34. Oh, shit. He looks like, he acts like he's 40. I mean, he's he got, what, two knee injuries? He hurt every season? That's a bad 34. And to just have signed that huge, massive contract that's going to strap the team down with no running back, bad offensive line, you got one receiver out there, a shaky defense, I think I'll just wait for the Patriots. Yeah, I mean... Oh, yeah, and I just read that uh, Vance Joseph is also interviewing for the Bengals job. So, Of course he is, <laughs> uh, because he showed so much uh, in Denver. Um, all right, man, let's get to the playoffs real quick. So we – I mean, the Raiders really – I think that if – I'm rooting for the Bears and the Cowboys to lose this weekend because I, I want them draft picks. But I think that the Bears – I think they have the best shot of winning um, the Super Bowl in the NFC. Or, um, not in the NFC, but I think that they are contenders to win the Super Bowl is what I'm saying. They should send John Gruden a ring if they get one, all right? See, two weeks so, ago you came in here and you weren't a Bears believer. And then they play my Eagles. Now you're all on the Bears bandwagon. I'm not on the bandwagon, but damn, they're a good team. They're, the weakest part of them is their second-year quarterback. So. Yeah. Um, that's the most exciting part about my Eagles playing the Bears is that if we can get to him, if we can get to Trubisky, I think we can beat the Bears. The problem is I don't think we can beat the Saints. Um, I like the matchups this week. I really do like the Bears too. Um, I mean, if the Eagles don't win, I think the Bears are the best team to go to the NFC. Um, I mean, to go to the Super Bowl. I like them more than I like the Rams. I like them more than I like uh, – the Saints. Saints. And I I don't think the Cowboys are that good at all. I mean, defensively, they're legit, but they struggle too much scoring the ball. And I just think. I think Seattle's going to get in their asses yeah, this week. Seattle dominated them early in the year, even though that was in Seattle. Um, right. I think this game is going to be in Dallas. So. It is. Yeah. So, but, I mean, that's not a good thing seeing that you put Russell Westbrook, I mean, Russell Wilson on that fast turf. And they had trouble right. with them. Trouble with them before. Plus, um, their receivers are now healthy. Their defense is looking better. Um, I don't. I don't see Dallas beating Seattle. No, I think I. I think Seattle wins this game. Um, and isn't it great they, how Seattle kind of just kind of messes around, sleep during the season, and just turns it on in, at the end? And they're always man. rolling at the end of the season. And everybody was like, "Yeah, y'all shouldn't have got, you shouldn't have Legion of Boom shouldn't have got rid of them. Yeah, now what, Pete Carroll, you gum chewing bastard?" And now here they are, just you know, sleeping giants. So, you, yeah, I mean, Seattle's definitely a team you don't want to play. So um, I don't think they'll ever then, be like twelve and three or twelve and four or anything. No. But the nine and seven Seattle is always dangerous. That ten and six, nine and seven Seattle teams always dangerous in the playoffs. Yep. Um, and then on the other side of things, you got Indianapolis and Houston, um, both teams <laughs> who Houston started off 0-3 um, and went 11-5, and and then Indianapolis started off 1-5 and and finished 10-6. and So these are two of the hottest teams in football, and, you know, they've got two franchise quarterbacks. Um, you know, the best receiver in the game is down in Houston. They've got a lot, you know, two – Vast, well, in the case of Indianapolis, a vastly improved defense, a healthy Andrew Luck. Um, I think this is actually going to be a pretty good game. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll take the Colts in this game. I, I really like the Colts' defense because they're young, Spicy. fast, side-to-side side side defense. And I'm not in love with that Houston that Houston offense. I'm not in love with that Houston team. They can be beat. Um, they have some real holes. But it does seem like, uh, oh, boy, for Houston, what's the coach's name? Uh, Bill O'Brien. Yeah. It does seem like he goes out of his way to try and get Deshaun Watson hurt. I mean, it's not <laughs> like the dude's ever torn his ACL a couple times or anything. Nah. So, you know, let's just call. Don't worry about it. 10 quarterback run plays for him, but whatever. Go on. And the thing about it is it's really interesting because these are two teams that have real trouble winning one game in the playoffs. So who's going to overcome? But I just think that um, Andrew Luck in these situations is a proven killer. I mean, he's even more deadly if you get up by like 21 on him than you bring out the monster. So I just think, yeah, yeah I just think that Andrew Luck is going to be a little bit too much for the Texans. Yeah, we'll see. I don't really know. I can't really call that game right now um, because, I, like I said, these are two of the hottest teams in football. And I do know that DeAndre Hopkins is a dude that for they that dude's a monster. He's just a straight up monster. Um, but they but now they've been the thing that hurts Houston is that like throwing it to him where game. he impacts the game. Like his yardage is there, but he's kind of invisible most of the game. I know, like when he played the Eagles, he had good yardage, but he didn't have a lot of impact plays. Yeah, you know, it's weird because they, they kind of get weird to them when it gets in the red zone. Um, like they don't th- like I said, instead of throwing him the ball, they'll they'll call two straight dive plays or they'll do a quarterback run from like the ten- I mean, they just in the red zone they they get weird, and I don't understand that either. They're probably uh, but, doubling them too. Like they're putting a safety over top of them with a linebacker inside of them, so the read is to go away from him. I'm assuming that's what you do. Well, that's I also noticed that um, Deshaun Watson, he's still a young uh, uh, QB, and he panics. Um, he goes through a read, and then he's out. Um, so not, I mean, not that he doesn't see the whole field because I actually think that he sees the field very well for a young quarterback. But I do notice that in the red zone, if it's not there, he he'll take off. Yeah, he seems more comfortable in the red zone using his legs than his arms, which isn't always bad, but sometimes you got to get that ball out quick to show that your arm is a weapon. Um, All right, and then lastly, we've got the uh, Chargers and the Ravens, who the Ravens just beat the hell out of the Chargers uh, last week. Now, you know, you could say the Chargers probably weren't playing for much um, because they knew that Kansas City was going to wipe their ass with Oakland. And they were going to get the fifth seed no matter what. So, um, even though uh, Melvin Gordon got hurt in that game, uh, I, I think that this Baltimore team is, is a team that's not to be trifled with. Yeah, that defense really turned it on late. And that defense is looking like the defense that everyone thought they would be. It's just something inside of me that doesn't allow me to trust Joe Flacco. <laughs> so, I just don't trust that dude. I mean, he, well, yeah, but he's not playing in the game. Oh, yeah, Lamar Jackson. Oh, I definitely don't yeah. trust Lamar Jackson. I forgot no. Joe Flacco's been benched. And they on the roll, too, like 5-1 with Lamar Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, still, I really like the Chargers. Though. I told you that the last couple of weeks. The Chargers is one of my favorite teams right now. Um, I think they're one of the most balanced teams. I would like to see a healthy Melvin Gordon. I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know how healthy um, Hunter. What's his last name? Hunter. Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry. But if those dudes can be effective, that changes the dynamic of that team because they haven't been healthy, especially Hunter Henry, given that um, threat over the middle with Keenan Allen. I think that is a very dangerous team. I don't think the Ravens will beat them. I think that the Chargers – Chargers are my Super Bowl pick, though. I think they're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. um, You and I both have liked the Chargers a lot, Um, and I'm – I, I'm I'm bullish on them. Uh, I think that they can beat Kansas City, who is the number one seed in the West. I'm I I think that the the Super Bowl champion, or I should say, the Super Bowl representative for the AFC is going to come out of the AFC West. I think it's going to be the Chiefs or the Chargers. Um, I just truly do not believe in New England this year. Uh, I don't think the Colts are, or the Texans are good enough to beat the Chargers or the Chiefs. Um, I just think it's going to be one of those dudes. Yeah, but, I mean, you just can never count out. I, I know I say this all the time. It's just hard to count out the Patriots. It's hard to count them out. I'm counting their ass out. They out. Nah, bye. I don't know, man. They're always dangerous. If you let them in, then they're dangerous. And they got to buy too. I, I don't know, man. It's hard for me to count them out. They're the most experienced team. That defense can get up to play. 
for a couple of games. They still have a strong secondary. You still got Tom Brady, man. All right, let's uh let's move to the dessert. Before Our we favorite. move to the dessert, you gotta More give vegetables? my Eagles some respect, man. The you already talked about two them. weeks ago. You were like, "Oh, they ain't gonna make it. Oh, they ain't got a chance." Hell, you said they weren't gonna make it. They ain't got a chance. I did not say that. Hey, we gonna find the tape <laughs> for all the fans. If anybody out there can find the tape, they're like, oh yeah, we we probably ain't gonna make it. That's it. I I remember. I was I was gonna let you off of that no. one, but you know you had to open that mouth. Nope, nope, that is not true. But. Move on. I'm just letting you know you were wrong once again. We were wrong. <laughs> okay? I ain't taking that by myself. I don't care. Um, so, big the big news in the NBA right now, um, Kobe Bean Bryant has tried to have a boy forever, and the motherfucker is blessed or cursed, depending on how you look at it, with the fourth baby girl on the way. So, uh, congrats, Kobe. It doesn't look like you're going to get a cat in the NBA unless they start letting the ladies in. Good luck. Now, I mean, the dude has like three hundred million dollars. He can shoot a shoot a couple more times. Why not? That's, That's what he's known for. Too. Pull a Philip Rivers, Rivers man. Got twelve of them. Yep. Why not? You're retired. So, now. but his 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 oldest daughter can hoop though. I can't think of. I don't remember her name. Gianna or something. She can hoop. She can hoop. Um, which is what you expect out of Kobe Bryant's off seed, offspring. Uh, anyway, so random. I just wanted to shout out the Black Mamba, you know, my guy. So, um, man, let's talk about Luka Doncic. Can we talk about Luka Doncic? Yeah, that dude right there. I was hating on him. I've been hating on him, but now that dude is just. You want to talk about giving somebody their props? Who called that? I called it. I've been on Luka Doncic for like a year now. Yeah, I mean, you thought he was going to be better than I did. My, my biggest thing with him is I didn't think he would be athletic enough for the NBA. A lot of those players, you get in, and then they're great but they just don't move as well, and they're kind of bad on defense. He has not been as bad on defense as I thought. He's very, very tough. He's a competitor. He hits big shots. He has a lot of dirt in him. He's like a, he's like an evolution of dirt. <laughs> you know, he reminds me of a young me. I mean, just a killer out there. <laughs> not afraid to take the big shot. No, but I mean, you're this, so disrespectful Luca, to him. <laughs> Luca is exactly what I thought he was gonna be, man. I mean, the dude. I, I was hoping that everybody slept on him and he was going to fall to four at Memphis. And while Trey, Trey Young may turn out to be good, I still think that Atlanta, if I'm them or if I'm if I'm um, Sacramento, maybe even if I'm Phoenix, I would have taken Luka Doncic, man. I said that last year. I said that when we were covering the draft that I thought Luka was going to be the best player in this draft. Uh, I can't really fault Phoenix for what they did. I mean, it's hard to find. I, I don't fault them. I get it. Yeah, it's hard to find players that's that agile as Aiden. And Aiden's the player, too. Don't get me wrong. He's growing. He is. But And he's an Arizona guy. Um, I don't know what the hell Sacramento was doing. <laughs> right. Sacramento. So, Sacramento's the head scratcher here because what do you have to lose? I mean, drafting Bagley is just getting more of the same of all the players that you have. You have, like, right. five players like that. So why wouldn't you get a Luca? You know what I mean? Right. That's what you kind of need, a small forward. Who really can play with De'Aaron Fox, like compliments him well. Yes. You let De'Aaron Fox play off the ball. You let Buddy Hill play off the ball. And you got someone that can really handle the ball, distribute, and as comfortable as a playmaker. With all those young guards, you have somebody with professional experience that can step in there right away. Hey, tell them kids quit all that playing. Yeah. You know, you got to okay. check them every now and again. <laughs> yeah. Does this look like a place to have fun? What'd you say? I said, did this look like a place to have fun? <laughs> no. There's no fun here yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, but, man, Luca is has been everything that I thought he would be. Now, with that said, Sacramento has played a good year, and, and it looks like, man, Darren Fox has taken that step to, I mean, that dude is the truth. Now, he got humbled a couple weeks ago when they played Oklahoma City after he was talking shit. But uh, that dude can play. Yeah, he's definitely took a – he's took probably a larger leap forward than most of the sophomores. Um, Yoger – I can't never pronounce his name. Yeager. Yeager. He's been really good for that team. I mean, quietly, that is a really good, deep, competitive team. But like I said, they're doing that without their lottery pick that they had. And they don't have right. one this year. That's why I thought they should have took a Luka or even a, like a Trey Young or somebody else, you know, that would have fit. But when you can get a generational player, why not take that over a dude who might become an all-star? But I mean, you can look at Mar Marvin Bagley. It's not a dude that's a trans transformational guy. No, 
I mean, he's, even if he, at peak, I think Marvin Bagley is a better version of Zach Randolph. <laughs> I mean, right. he'll be. And I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, 2010 guy. A 2010 guy. Consistent. Yeah. But I mean, it, I mean, he's just average. You know what I mean? Throw Miles Swift or something. Nothing that's gonna just blow your mind. Well, that's why you take a Luca. That's what I was talking about with Bradley Chubb. You, you people get so focused on drafting for need instead of just taking the best player available and then figuring it out later. That's what I would do. But another rookie that I really like is Kevin Knox. Have you been watching that kid? Yeah, um, and I think honestly the Knicks are terrible, but they've got some good young talent and they've got a good coach. Um, who, if the Knicks are smart, they just kind of let this thing play out. They let Kristaps heal and, um, you know, see what they can attract in free agency. But, yeah, I like Kevin Knox. And he's been a rookie. He's been inconsistent in and out of the lineup with injuries. But I like him. I like Alonzo Trier, too. There's a couple good rookies on that team. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the most impressive part about the Knicks. They did a really good job, which is un Nick like They did a really good job of putting a lot of young talent on that team. I mean, now they're starting their third center, Luke Cornett. I don't know where he came from, but this right. dude is now averaging like 20 and 6. You got right. Mitchell Robinson that looks like he's going to be a freak athlete. They they pulled him mm-hmm. in. He set out of his last year of high school. He looks like he's going to be a great talent. Alonzo Trier, Damian Dotson. I mean, they, they have a lot of young talent on that team. And you're right. All they need to do is stay the course. Get some experience, do that Philadelphia 76 er style, and let Kristoff heal up, come back fully healthy next year, and put some pieces around him. If they can tank, I know everybody wants the Knicks to get Zion Williams, but just imagine if you can put a true point guard like uh, R.J. Barrett on that team, and you come right. out there with R.J. Barrett. Let's say you keep Tim Hardaway Jr., Kevin Knox, Kristoff Przingis, and any one of those centers, Mitchell Robinson or Cornette, that's a good team in the Eastern Conference. All they have to do is stay the course and don't do anything stupid, like go and sign Jimmy Butler or somebody to two hundred million dollars for no reason. Right. <laughs> I mean, unless you unless you get a chance to get KD, which I you know, there are reports out there that that's a done deal and that KD is going to the Knicks, kind of like LeBron was a done deal going to LA. But I, I mean, I would I would do it for KD. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I would. I mean, but I mean, you can't pass up KD because if you get KD, no. then that means you just move Tim Hardaway Jr. So you just kind of. Switch right. them around. You don't need Tim Hardaway. I'm pretty sure you can get rid of him. He's on a pretty Quickly. movable contract next year. So if you get KD and you move Tim Hardaway, then, I mean, that works too. Either way, you just you just don't do anything silly. Getting KD is not right. silly. But the Knicks have a, have a tendency to go out and do silly things. I don't even know who's going to be a free agent that will get, you know, $150 million and don't deserve it. But, I mean, Tim Hardaway was the free agent. They got like $150 million and didn't they deserve pop it. pop up every year. So, um, and then, so things have started to kind of stabilize in the West a little bit. Um, the teams that we thought were going to be there are there uh, as far as the top eight. And you're starting to see a little bit of separation, even though it may not be record-wise. Um, so, you know, one through eight are the usual suspects, with the exception of, of the L.A. Clippers, who are still playing pretty well overall. Um, I, uh, you know, New Orleans is only getting worse. Uh, Utah is, before, they, before they just don't look like that. What are the chances that AD stays? Because they they've been bad this year. What are the chances? I think he, I I I think they're slim. I do. Man, I just can't imagine I, turning down an extra. I mean, back in the day, you know, it was like, oh, LeBron gave up twenty million dollars talking about one year. But you're literally talking about him giving up eighty-seven million dollars. But he'll make that money. He'll make that money That's on a shoe a deal. Lot, he'll make that money on a TV contract. He'll make that money. It's just he hard will. for me to believe that. I mean, Kawhi did it. Essentially, Kawhi did it also. I just, right. I just don't understand how you can turn down that Supermax, man. Because they'll, they'll make that money. And, and if you're the type of dude that just wants to win, you know what I mean? You're not going to win a ring in New Orleans. You're, you're just not. I, I mean, and then they're always going to be good enough to flirt with, like, the eighth seed. I mean, because Anthony Davis is that good. So you're, it's not like you're going to be in position to be getting a, a top – one two top five pick barring an ad injury um and he sits out a year but like man i just don't see and this is a guy who's always talked about how he just wants to win and you know his legacy means everything to him and you and i've talked about this um you know kevin garnett said that his biggest regret charles barkley said his biggest regret both of them was i didn't leave philadelphia soon enough and with kevin garnett i didn't leave minnesota soon enough and and i think that players 
are starting to take that seriously when it's like, you know, they look around and they say, look, man, I got to get out of here I, because I can't win here. I can't. I mean, I can see it. I can understand it. But, I mean, some things happen in life and you sit back and you view and it just lets you know in life that I'm not shit because I take the 87 and just suck. <laughs> I oh, I mean, yeah, I but that's because we we about to turn the show into two broke dummies. But you know what I mean. So <laughs> I got I got to take it, man. I I know I already got two hundred million, but I mean I can find something else in life to satisfy me and make me feel like I accomplished something. Maybe I coach afterwards or something. But I gotta have that eighty seven million, man. I'm with it, but you know, but like I said, man, he'll he'll make that money. So whether it be. A random endorsement, whether it be they give him whatever team he signs with, they give him some some uh, under the table equity or something. He'll he'll find a way to make that eighty seven million back. Oh, he just so, he just signed with LeBron and Clutch, so oh he gonna oh, so get they, that back. <laughs> he's gonna make that money because them them dudes ain't messing around. Yeah, he okay, gonna, he gonna go out there to L A. Team up with LeBron. LeBron gonna get him in three or four movies. He gonna be in Space Jam. So yeah, all of a sudden he got. 10 Blaze Pizza franchises, and you know what I mean? So, yeah, don't worry. LeBron that got like 17 gonna, TV shows about to come on. Yeah. That that $87 million going to sound like, you know, $18 or something to him, uh, you know, this time next year. So. Yeah, I know we're about to wrap up, but that's another thing that's great about LeBron because, I mean, we're, we're joking, but let's say he did turn down the $87 million and then went anywhere. The fact that he's with Clutch. LeBron is establishing so many businesses right now while in the NBA. It is ridiculous. Like, this is what Magic Johnson did once he retired. But everybody that signed with, quote, unquote, not his agency, when everyone knows it's his agency, you know they're going to be taken taken care of because even if you just invest in that, you're going to, you know, get your money back. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Absolutely. It's just, it's just crazy. So, I love what LeBron's doing. I don't like and, him, you know, like as a player. I know you don't. But what he's doing off the court, I think, is amazing. I don't even think people are paying attention to the shit he's doing. To, I mean, that just goes to show you that. I mean, and and I love. I listen. LeBron says some dumb shit. I mean, so like you know, we we got time. Let's talk about it real fast. I and I know you're not a LeBron guy. I'm a LeBron guy. I can't hate the dude at all. Uh, but I just wish the difference between him. And, like, some of these other greats is that LeBron feels the need to tell people he's great. Like, I mean, so the big thing going around is his uh, show on ESPN Plus where he said, I knew after I won that that championship in Cleveland that that made me the best player of all time. <laughs> it's like, dude, the the thing about Michael Jordan is I've never once heard him say I'm the best, I'm the greatest of all time. But I don't know if you would have put a mic in front of Jordan like like it is now all the time. Like, Mike had, Mike had mics in front of him but not like today. And I can't honestly say that if you put that mic in front of Jordan, he wouldn't have said that because Mike loves some Mike. I mean, I don't know if you remember that I, old Ahmad Rashad interview where he was walking yeah. with the kids and he was just telling you all the stuff he could do. I could throw a ball mm-hmm. 65 yards and yep. I was a great I was great at baseball too. You know what I mean? So I can't really and fault LeBron for that. I, I always, I'm glad you said that because I always maintain that the reason that I mean if you I don't you know I know you can't read but <laughs> for any of y'all out there um, there's a book by Sam Smith called The Jordan Rules and basically this book came out in 1992 and it just talked about what a, sh- a shitty human being Michael Jordan was and I mean that's been that's been accounted for Michael Jordan has done some shitty things um, I always maintain that if social media and Kobe barely missed it Kobe barely, barely. missed this. Um, if social media was around to the degree, I mean, at all, um, and there was a camera like, or, or a microphone, like you said, or a cell phone in Jordan's face, I think that we would not revere Jordan the way that, that we do because Jordan was kind of fucked up at times. Um, and I think that that gambling monster that was, that, you know, was in him was real. And I, I, I in all seriousness do think that he was suspended for gambling I, I legitimately do think that and people will call me crazy but i think it's real so well, 18 um, month light suspension because if you think about it if you if jordan goes down for any type of scandal with uh with gambling or anything like that when he had built the nba to what it was um even magic johnson was uh, they brought it back but jordan made the nba what it is today if he takes a hit i mean that's gonna take a hit like because i I mean, if you start talking about gambling, can you do you believe that Jordan never put money on a game? 
and and we like we know the type of gambler that he was yeah. is so there's a lot of stories out there and like i said the nba and david stern as as was a great commissioner but the the nba was not in a position where they could have their marquee player take a hit like that because that would have absolutely killed the NBA. Not if the, the NBA not would not be not where it was for, today. David Stern was not going to let Michael Jordan destroy everything he built. Absolutely not. So, you know, I, I will say that, you know, if, if and as I said, Kobe barely missed this because social media was in its infancy. Um, but I think that we would think about, we would look at Michael a lot differently if there was social media around. And that's one of the things that you have to, uh, kind of commend LeBron James for because he's handled it pretty well for a dude who's been in this since he was 18. Yeah, but I can't wait till this Michael jo- Jordan documentary comes out in oh, 2020. And that's me not even the either. full thing. That's just the, the last year of 98. But there's a little thing on YouTube uh, that I just watched the other day. It was going around the Michael jo- Jordan documentary. It's called like the greatest documentary ever or something. I watched that 45 minute and it made... I used to watch every Jordan game, but I forgot how good this dude was, how frequently he beat like triple teams and it right. is ridiculous. So yeah, check that out. Just put in Michael Jordan documentary and a couple of come up, but yeah, it's, it's really good. Yeah. So, all right, man, that's it. That's all. Anything else you want to put on before we get out of here? Go Eagles. Ah, there we go. Soon as we'll be all back. Right, y'all, Don't worry. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see y'all next week. Peace, Peace. out. Peace.